What's happening, weirdos? This is Paul Bettany. Holy shit! I'm so stoked. I've been uh, talking with Paul. Uh, we started as Twitter buds, and then we were uh, texting each other, and I've been chasing him uh, because he's a busy guy. Um, when he said he would do this podcast, I think it's been six months I've been trying to make it happen, and I'm so stoked that his new show, WandaVision, is out now. I just watched it. I haven't seen all of it, but I hadn't seen it when we did this interview, and I've been watching it because it came out after this interview, and it's incredible, and it gave us a perfect reason to do this podcast, to help promote that show, get the word out. You should all check it out. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's hilarious. It's sort of exactly what I've been craving that I didn't know I was craving, <laughs> Uh, because it's a total throwback to like old uh, old school sitcoms, but it absolutely works. And he's so funny, and it's so novel and interesting and fun. So definitely check out WandaVision. We also talk about the movie Uncle Frank, which is on Amazon, um, which is unbelievable. It's just, it's a drama. I, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's really, really worth the watch. We put it on without knowing anything about it, other than Paul Bettany was in it. And we're so glad that we watched it. So those are sort of the two projects that we talk about the most in this episode. But as usual, we get weird and talk about all the usual stuff as well. And he was a delight. No surprise. I've been such a fan for such a long time. I'm so glad that this happened. And I'm so glad to share it with you. Uh, For those of you that are big hearted and looking to support the show and try some new wonderful products, let's talk about the Pete's Picks. The first one is Hello Bello. This is where we have a two-year-old baby. This is where we get our diapers. This is where we get our wipes. This is where we get all sorts of wonderful baby products delivered to our door automatically. I was thinking about it. I, I resist so many things. I don't subscribe to things online. Even toilet paper or paper towels. I I just don't do it because every month is different. But one thing is for sure, babies be pooping. (laughs) And they're going to be pooping and peeing and you need diapers. So this was an absolute no-brainer. I'm so glad we heard about them from Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard, our pals. They are the co-founders of this company. Hello Bello is built on the simple idea that babies deserve the best, which is why they offer premium baby products at affordable prices. And being a parent is really, really hard. And this is one thing you're always going to need because you're always around the corner from another blowout. If you're a parent, you know what that is. If you're not, you can guess. And finding a diaper that is absorbent and soft without spending a fortune shouldn't be as difficult as changing your your baby in the back of your car on the side of the freeway. That happens sometimes, so make sure you have the diapers. Get them delivered. Get them automatically delivered because babies be pooping. You need it. You're going to need it. So just sign up. It's wonderful. Their diaper bundle service, we've actually just upgraded, or Val, uh, Val the baby, has aged up to the training pants. So now Baby Lee, it's adorable, is pulling up and down her her own pants, which is her little diaper pants. Unbelievably cute. And now those are delivered with the wipes that are incredible. So their bundle service lets you choose from 20 different fun rotating designs, which as I've mentioned before, doesn't seem like a big deal. But when I'm trying to get uh, Lee to put on a diaper and I let her pick which of the ones she likes, it actually makes a huge difference. Each bundle comes with seven packs of diapers, four packs of plant-based wipes, which are like mostly water, which is what you want, and even one full-size product freebie with your first order. Even the box it comes in, the box that we got our Hello Bellas in this month, 
uh, with a little careful folding turned into a robot. So even the box was fun for Leela. Uh, so, you know, choosing what's best for your baby and what's best for your budget shouldn't always be a losing battle for your wallet. Hello, Bello. I'm so glad they're here to lighten the load on the bank account while keeping our babies comfy and dry. There's a load joke there, but we're better than that. Go to hellobello.com slash weird to build your bundle, and Hello Bello will send you diapers on a cadence that works for you. The shipping is free, and you can cancel anytime. No gotchas. Get their super soft, super absorbent, and super affordable diapers delivered right to your door, just like Val and I do for baby Leela from Hello Bello. Go to hellobello, H-E-L-L-O-B-E-L-L-O.com slash weird. You'll get 25% off, 25, your first diaper bundle order which is a huge bang for your buck and a lot of potential blowouts saved. That's hellobello.com slash weird to start bundling with 25% off your order, plus get 15% off any add-ons like vitamins or more wipes. Don't forget, hellobello.com slash weird. We are grateful for them in our lives, so get into it. Speaking of things we're grateful for in our lives that will make your life a little bit better, or potentially, in our case, a lot better, is Brooklinen. Brooklinen was founded, I love this story, by Rich and Vicky, who wanted to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, unlike me, I just complained about it, they founded a company. They founded Brooklinen, the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers that make luxury available directly to you. They do, not the manufacturers. They're making it directly available to you without the luxury level markup. So they're cutting out that middleman and shipping it directly to you. Brooklinen has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes and the different sizes of beds, of course. I'm enormous, so we're a Cal Kang fam. No prob. Brooklyn has over 50,000, 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They're so confident you'll love their products. They even have a 365, that's one Earth year, day money-back guarantee. Brooklyn is so much more than sheets. We have their sheets, but they also have comforters, which we have, pillows, towels, and loungewear, and more. So there's all sorts of stuff. We wanted to have that sort of like five-star hotel feel uh, and not look forward to staying in a hotel to actually sleep on sheets that we love. We wanted to bring that into our home, and they are sheets that we absolutely love. If you don't love your sheets, it's a great way to take that eight, sometimes for us only six because of the baby, but those premium sleep hours and kick it up a notch. Brooklinen has you covered if you don't love your sheets. There's no excuse. You don't need to. You don't need to spend a fortune, and you don't need to sleep on some strange sheet with holes and weird feelings on it. <laughs> Get top-of-the-line amazing sheets without breaking the bank. It's 2021, so do something nice to start the new year. To help you with that, Brooklinen has a special offer. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code WEIRD at checkout to get $25 off when you spend 100 bucks or more, plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code WEIRD to get 25 bucks off when you spend 100 or more, plus free shipping. Brooklinen.com, promo code WEIRD. And last but certainly not least is Dame. Let's talk about vibrators. Look, it's been a long-ass year, and we need to take every level of our life up a notch. And I'm so happy to have Dame Products be one of our newest Pete's Pick. Dame Products isn't just your regular run-of-the-mill, some weird sketchy vibrator that you buy at a truck stop, whatever. It's not that. It is premium, great 
company, unbelievable staff. They are a woman-founded company making uh, toys for sex that close the pleasure gap. Developed and tested by real people with vulvas in Dame Labs. They're engineered to bring your solo and couple play to new heights. They are making the world a happier place, one vagina at a time. We talk a lot about on the show about healthy sexuality. We talk about embodiment. And we talk about how important uh, love and relationships are. And sex is such a huge part of that. And I don't know why we have this shame around sex toys or we think there's some sort of add-on or extra or whatever. It's not. It's a wonderful thing to incorporate into couples or solos. And if you're going to, Dame Products has amazing tech whiz Again, vulva-approved vibrators founded by a sex educator and engineering whiz that can help take this to the next level. Uh, There are a couple products that I want to shine a light on. They have the Arc, which is the G-Spot vibrator. It's made to help you discover that perfect spot inside and out. They also have the Palm, which is the flexible vibrator. It's sort of like a Gumby, (laughs) except a sexy, sexy Gumby. It's a flexible vibrator that bends to meet your needs. How could a vibrator, I mean, this makes perfect sense to me, be designed to your body perfectly? Well, this one will manipulate and change. Palm can cover solid Volvo real estate. I've never read that line before. I like it. Palm can cover solid Volvo real estate. De-stress. During this strange year, this strange quarantine time, uh, there's a quote from Nini, who's 25. It says, it was such a joy to add to my sex life. I've never wanted to masturbate so much. Come on. Come on. These are high-end, wonderful, woman-made, woman-founded, wonderful, engineered, sex expert vibrators and sex toys that we highly recommend. And if you want to show your support for the show and... Make yourself a little bit happier. Get your couple play a little bit better. Make your solo play a little bit better. We could all use this. Go to dameproducts.com slash weird for 15% off. That's dameproducts.com slash weird for 15% off and show your support of this show. Get some sheets. Get a Dame vibrator. Get some Brooklyn sheets. Get a Dame vibrator. And uh, and then if your couple play is really, really, uh, you know, <laughs> on one level successful, uh, get some Hello Bello diapers. You know what I mean. <laughs> you get it. Get a Pete's pick. Show your support of the show. It means a lot. I mean that sincerely. It really means a lot. And in the meantime, enjoy this chat with Paul Bettany and be sure to check out Uncle Frank on Amazon and WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. All right. All right, get into it. That's enough of this voice. Let's bring in one of the best voices. What a gift. We get to listen to Paul Bettany for for almost two hours. Let's get into it. Enjoy. Paul. Hello. I went with the fake British. (laughs) I love it. You did very well. Paul. I went... (laughs) Well then, I'm already enjoying this this talk. <laughs> I, I, I yeah, I have my wife's name on the thing. I can rename it. Does that? No, matter? don't do it. I was just saying. I w- I actually found it quite touching that I didn't want to confuse my my wife. Isn't fucking touching about it. She has this <laughs> fucking. She has this technology from 400 years ago, and she's using she's she's doing interviews too at the same time, and she's using my fucking computer. And she, <laughs> 
And she's renamed my fuck. Your your wife's name is Petey Pants. No, my wife's name is Valerie, but it said it while we were logging on. Why is it saying Petey Pants? Because I wanted to give uh, an air of uh, informality. I wanted you to go, oh, this guy calls himself Petey Pants. Oh, I like he, him. he must be sweet and not the killer that I've heard. <laughs> you've played a few killers. You've played a few uh, troubling people. I wonder if you've ever taken that personally. <laughs> I have. Now, can I ask you a question? Why am I only seeing myself? Or do you not want me to see? Are you wearing oh. something? <laughs> I didn't know. Where am I? There I am. I'm going to pin you so I don't have to keep seeing my fucking self. Yes, uh, please pin. Please pin. Let, don't fuck that question about serial killers. Who wants to answer that question? Let's let's talk about <laughs> how you feel. Are you in the middle of press? We're recording, by the way. This is the show. I, I oh, when yeah. we, Yes, I am in the middle of press. Yeah. How's that? Oh, it's great. You can't complain about it because, um, you know, obviously it beats every other other job hands down because there's no actual job. You know what I mean? But there is something weird about repeating yourself every five minutes for four days in a well, row. It's, 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 it's inhuman. You actually have a little bit of a taste of I, I'm a stand-up. And if there's something I don't like about stand-up... It's that on nights where you do multiple shows, I'm sure you've done theater, you might have a similar experience, but it's just you talking and saying the same thing. That's why I'm always trying to like interrupt myself or improvise or change it. It's really to just almost like slap myself in the face to not get into that mode. That, yeah. That's why my goal in this chat is to not ask you anything so you can stop me if I'm like, so... WandaVision's a comedy. Did you know? Like, like, fuck that shit. I want you to enjoy this. We can talk about whatever you want, and I promise it'll still promote WandaVision, which yeah, is coming up. Yeah, it's 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 um. Well, let's talk about the circle of hell that Dante never talked. Uh, never <laughs> the tenth. Yeah, where you are, you're trapped in the same interview that is five minutes long. And then hundreds, hundreds of them every day, and you just you just do them. And I feel bad for the person interviewing you because the editor said, "Well, you got to ask these three questions." There's only time for three questions, yeah. And so they're all the same three questions, and it's a bit like being in the marathon, man, where you go, "Is it? Yeah, it's it's safe. I, I don't. I guess, I guess it's, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not safe at all." Uh, I want to. I want to guess. I want to guess. Is it? Do you get makeup questions? People want to know if you like the prosthetic? 100%, yes. Yep. People want to know... There's a, there was a lot of buzz. I, I really wasn't intending talking about this, but there was a lot of buzz that you, like, didn't watch Iron Man, and, and are, are people curious about that? Uh, you know what? That, is a, that, that, was, that was a really great lesson in media, right? Um, <laughs> Because I remember hearing that and being like, oh, he, he, yeah, go ahead, please. What actually happened was this. Um, uh, I went, oh, I, well, I don't know. I, I've, I've never seen Iron Man. They're, they're kids' movies, aren't they? Wait, wait. <laughs> ellipsis. Ellipsis. Yeah, important ellipsis. Just to clarify, I never see any of my movies. Yes. That bit wasn't in. Oh. They just, they went, wait a second, this is going to be so much better if we cut out the, I don't watch any of my movies and just, I've never seen Iron Man, they're for kids, right? You know, so that's. Oh my goodness. 
Not yeah, sex. but that is that one of the ones that circulates because because it was interesting when you became Vision. I was like, oh, uh, I guess that's not true. Like, because I I saw and loved Iron Man, and oh, I remember the hearing question came. Yeah, uh, because I was about to be Vision, and I had been um, a Jarvis. Yeah, you know what I mean. So the question came. I love Paul. I wrote down Jarvis so I wouldn't forget the name Jarvis, <laughs> and you almost forgot the name Jarvis, and I love that. I'm I'm a ter- I'm I'm ter- I'm terrible. You're not terrible. Please tell me. Sometimes you do oblige when people say, "Will you please record my outgoing voicemail?" Have I you ever do done it? it? I do it often. <laughs> See. Man of the people, salt of the earth, and you don't see any of your movies. You're a good man. I, 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 I actually, ha- I actually have caught up on the. I decided I had to really, uh, I should really watch them um, when I played Vision, and I was like, wow, these are great. <laughs> yeah, I really they're, love them. They're I'm, super, super fun, and Iron Man in particular. Um, I'm, I, I, I feel like these are all your chums, so I'm not going to like say the ones that I don't love, but Iron Man in particular, because I do love them, really holds up to me because it's, it's a real hero's tale. You know, yeah. it's a hero's journey. Yeah. I, I reference it. I'm, I'm like a spiritual kind of guy and uh, meaning I like mysticism and I like ancient literature and that sort of stuff. And uh, Tony Stark literally has his heart wounded and has to heal in a cave by building a suit that he has to later abandon yeah. to, to save others. I was like, that's the Christ story. That's Christ. That's Buddha. It's all of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a good, it's a good thing to be involved in. Did not did not intend to tell you that, but I want you to know no, I that I think them. it's good. I love them. And and actually, it's it's really... You know, I mean, the the circle of hell being what it is, it's it's also really nice to promote something that you're really proud of. One division is is really bonkers, um, and uh, <laughs> and I do and I do love it. Yeah, I really I really do. And yeah, we're gonna edit that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't. Why did that fucking English bloke get all mawkish about his own show? <laughs> cut it out. Cut it out. Let's save him. <laughs> No, I'm excited to see it. I truly am. And, and Bonkers, I think, is is high praise. This is starting to feel like a regular. I promise people are going to watch it. Just if we talk about dumb shit. No, let's, let's talk about dumb shit. Uh, well, I wanted to start by saying I, I watched Uncle Frank last night. I, I, I've seen so much of your work, but I hadn't seen that. And I thought it was tremendous. And I'd love to give that a little promo as well, because you're sensational in it. I, I really hope you had a good experience. It was an amazing. Um, it was an amazing. Uh, it was an amazing time. Yeah, I mean, I, I got. I, I, I guess I, I read the script and I thought, God, I'm just not going to do this job. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it was a bit terrifying to me. And then, oh, as an actor, I'm. I'm no spoilers, but there's like almost cliche moments where if you don't nail them, the movie would be terrible. Yes. That's why. That's why I think it's a true compliment. There's a lot of moments where your co-stars have to pull off, like, wait, why is he here? Stuff that I don't know if other people would notice. Like, why are they there? And they make it work because everybody's so grounded oh and good. And you are... You're doing stuff in that movie that I'm like, this is literally, if you did it badly, 
I think it would be deeply embarrassing. You know yes. what I'm saying? And you didn't. You committed. Tell me a little bit about trying to overcome cliche by what did you do? What are you doing? Um, well, what, what, you, you, <laughs> well, look, just to clarify, you don't always overcome the cliche, but you, what you, what I try to do is, um, what I try to do, well, you got to have a re look, I'm 50 years old next May. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about to be 50. You know, when you are, it's one thing at 20 to find yourself kneeling in front of a pretend grave, yes, crying, the, your, crying your eyes out. This is certainly uh, one of the scenes I'm like, this uh, could go art, like student film, you know, but it's great. Uh, yeah, uh, but you've got to have a really good reason. I have to have a really good reason to go there now because it just feels a little bit unseemly mm. to, um, to at 50 be... be um, doing that unless there's a very good reason so you need i again i need to find a good reason to go to work at this point and um my dad was a uh closeted gay man and he um came out at 63 and had um a nearly 20 year relationship with a man called andy and then when andy died my dad went back in the, the closet as his the sort of dogma of his Catholicism just mm. <laughs> took him back there because he wanted mm. to get past the pearly gates, and um, <laughs> and um, and he never got to mourn his his lover, who was clearly the love of his life. Actually, um, he never got to mourn him in a in a proper way, and moreover, he never got to live a, a sort of a, a, a authentic life. And I, and co the other consequence of that personally is that I never really got to know my father. I got to know a series of sort of curated anecdotes that stood in for hmm. a history, you know, because um, obviously there was this secret history that he couldn't really um, reveal to me. And so I just thought, you know, was I, when I was talking to, to um, Alan Ball about it, he just said, that, you know, for me, the film is for anybody who has ever struggled to live their life authentically. And that was when I went, oh, God, I'm in, aren't I? I'm in. I'm going, now I'm going to be kneeling in front of a grave, you know, crying my eyes out. Yes, yes. <laughs> the, the other thing is, is, you know, as you get older, you bruise easier and they last longer. And it just takes me a little bit more time to... Uh, you know, when you're 20, like, running around p p pretending people are dead in movies, you're like, ah, and then you go out drinking. And now I'm just, like, I, I, I'm a little exhausted for a couple of days after things like that. So, well, so, that, that was it. Yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah, so that was, so uh, you have to have a good reason. And then once you've got a really good reason, you can still go to this place and um, I really want to talk about a good reason for work. I think that's maybe my most interesting subject is why, why keep working? Why keep yeah. doing things? Why keep making things? But you opened up a can of worms. So one very specific um, question, and it sounds like kind of like a, a dumb question maybe, but I'm genuinely curious. There are so many scenes in Uncle Frank, which I, again, I recommend watch WandaVision and also watch this Uncle Frank. It's amazing. 
So this might sound like an amateur question, but I've also acted. So please know that it's with respect. <laughs> How many takes are you doing of some of these scenes? That's what I kept thinking. Oh, I was like, okay. This, this is too much. <laughs> well, you see, that's a, that's, a, that's a really empathetic question. And I actually had a really um, uh, empathetic uh, director because mm. when I showed up on set, he was set up for the wide shot with the, a great DP young guy he'd set up his wide shot the light was perfect and then alan saw me and he went cut this let's move in and get the close up so we got the close up oh. first uh got my stuff as quickly as he could uh got then went out wide where i didn't really have to kind of go through the thing and then and then i had other scene we were on a tiny budget by the way i mean a tiny we had no money and I had scenes in the rest of the day, and he realized that I was just going to be unshootable on, and he sent me home. And, and that's the first time, maybe the second time, any director has, Wow. Because that's a big move. That's asking 75 people to cancel yeah. and do it again. Yeah. And, and am I hearing you right? I always think of Steve Carell in the beginning of 40-year-old, uh, not 40-year-old virgin, forgive me, Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. The first the introductory shot of this character is him looking suicidal. Yeah. And I'm like, holy God, if Steve does this podcast, I want to talk to him. It's a difficult question. But how do you get into a space where you can look in your face? He's not making a face. It's like in his eyes that yeah. he just looks like he just tried to kill himself. And he and he really does it. He's fantastic in that movie. My God. He really is. And over and over. So what when you came to set, were you prepared for ready for your close up were you ready to go like i'm emotionally in a zone and then what did you do to get into a zone like that okay so this is this is this is exactly why why i'm talking about the fact that acting you know some people ask is it like so is it like therapy and it's like it's a real misunderstanding of what therapy is is therapy <laughs> isn't about getting yourself into a lava and picking at old scabs and like having a good cry yes that's right but acting is a bit and so I have artifacts from my life yes. that I keep with me. Like I and out of shot in that I can't believe I'm telling you this, but I am out of <laughs> shot in that um, grave scene is my eight year old brother who died uh, sweatshirt. And I have kept it with me all my life for the express reason of taking it to sets to entertain people and make my crying more realistic. <laughs> wow. And then it's fucked up. And I, um, and, and so, and I, I recognize that it's, it's, I, I, by the way, I'm not talking about every actor because some actors are just better and they can, some actors are just better. <laughs> let's, oh, if we're going to talk about dark stuff, let's at least draw the curtain. Um, <laughs> They're just better, and they can do it like, like this. And I know. I, I've worked with them. Crazy. I can't. Yeah, I have to. I have to work at it and think about it. And oh, mine. Just to relate, just so you don't feel like weird. I would watch a clip. I, one of the guys I love so much is Ramdas, and there was this clip that I kept on my phone of someone telling him about how their boyfriend had been murdered. 
and and she says that she has this dream that he came to her and she and she said I don't want to meet someone new and he says please because when you love him I'll be a part of that love and then Ramdas starts bawling he's just like 80 something at this point just an old man in a wheelchair crying so it's not my brother I don't I don't have a, a touchstone like that but I'm watching real pain I'm watching real mourning and I think there's something about the human experience. It's all it's all mourning. It's all yeah. it's all it's, mourning. <laughs> it's all mourning. It's all one mourning. And <laughs> no, 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 no! Your vision, your vision. You're, you're on a fun show. You're on a comedy show. Oh, that's great! <laughs> Paul is miming suicide as we talk. I just mean to dig to drop anchor into your brother this tragedy, and then give you gave me consolation and and feeling of of togetherness in that movie and not aloneness in that movie i think it's a it's a it can be a fitting tribute it can be you know what that's and and that's i guess um that's all i'm talking about all i'm talking about is as i get they used i i think i used to have a like it just felt like there was a button that i could push like I, I I gotta muscle it up for this, and yeah. and I just don't have that anymore. I've really got to um, uh, I got to do this thing that I suppose is called care about <laughs> <laughs> the thing. You know what I mean? So it's um it's uh it's it's really it's 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 an interesting um it's a it, it's 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 an interesting evolution for me. Yeah. No, I'm also thinking of the scene where he reads the will. That is, yeah, that is maybe in my opinion, more difficult of a scene. And that's when I said to Valerie, I said, "How many takes did they do of this? I can't imagine doing it more than twice. I can't imagine doing it more than once. We didn't have enough money to do it more than twice." <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, that was an idea. I, I, I sort of had this idea about a um, as he okay. So he's living this sort of curated life in in New York, where he's out and he's this erudite professor. Uh, and 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 as he gets closer home to the South, this these feelings are sort of beginning to become uh, you know bubble up. And so he starts drinking them down, and of course, um, you know, the cork explodes out of the bottle, and that's the that's the moment where that happens. So I had yeah. the, I, that that was my sort of plan for how it should uh, how it should uh, feel. It's like a yeah. YouTube song; it's just crescendo. <laughs> it is, and I, I relate so hard to the feeling of of going home. I sometimes liken it to I, I maybe you don't watch Toy Story, but you have kids. You've probably seen Toy Story. Oh, I've lived on Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how putting Toy Story on was the only way I could go to the bathroom. <laughs> Well, Toy Story is probably on right now. That's how I'm talking to you. Um, But you know how Woody, when the kids come in or anybody comes in, they smile and they drop dead? Yeah. I'm like, that's that's so much of my life. That's how it felt when a parent or a family member would walk in. (laughs) You'd just smile and just drop dead and be like, what do you want me to be? (laughs) <laughs> what what I, I want to get to the I'm very interested in your street performing and your busking, but you mentioned your brother 
And you mentioned your father. So we have a closeted dad. Yeah. And we have a, a tragic loss. How old were you when that happened uh, to your brother? I, I, I was 16 years old and he was eight. And how... I'm wondering, I'm, I'm interested in the wounds that sort of motivate us sometimes to like... Like, I, I'm going to tie in a third. I, I read online that the, the events of 9-11 inspired you to tell Jennifer about your feelings. So there are these things that happen... That's oh, sort of yeah. like I mean, Uncle Frank. The events of 9-11 were, um, it was more than that. It was like, they, they revealed to me my feelings, actually. I was like, I, I was in, I was in Umbria in Italy and I was at a friend's house and I had gone out to do the shopping and it was really weird. You know, I had, I had bags of shopping and then I looked and there was this cafe and the crowd had spilled out onto the, um, you know, into the square. And I thought, is there a football match? But that's weird. It's just, it's silence. Mm. The crowd. So I sort of walked up and I looked and I saw the, as I got to the cafe, I saw the second, uh, I'm looking right where the, 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 um, uh, this is where I'm looking. I'm looking right where it happened. Oh my goodness. And I, um, and I rushed home and I got to the phone and I just sort of relentlessly called um, Jennifer, who I couldn't get... You couldn't get through to anybody in Manhattan. What was your relationship at that point? I, I... Well, we were, we, were, we were just friends. I mean, I, 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 we had met on Beautiful Mind. Literally nothing had happened. I think we'd both sort of been down that road before and realized that way is just... You can, say, you can say daft. <laughs> and and um, but so I'm ringing her up. So we'd sort of just remain friends. And I'm ringing her up, and I'm ringing her up, and I'm ringing her up. And after about forty eight hours of sort of ringing her up, I went, "What am I doing? Ringing up this woman that I hardly... Oh fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, and then I rung her up, and then and I got through to her, and I went, "Come on, let's 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 go." And I, honestly and truly, I flew to Los Angeles. I was going to make a movie, uh, and then and she was making a movie in Los Angeles. I went to Mexico to it was Master and Commander. That's what it was. And then we we I finished the movie. We got married. We'd never lived together. <laughs> <laughs> We never, we never did that, and we got, we got married. She had a kid, and I thought I'm not going to mess her around. So we, we got married, and um, and then we sort of uh, worked out who each other was after that. Really. Almost like a, it's almost like an arranged marriage. I mean, you... it was, she was like I was like a mail order bride. From <laughs> no, I, 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 think, I think what happened is that you know the accent fools a lot of Americans, and I think she fell for it. I think she. You know, you so I wear glasses and I've got a British accent. It's kind of a double whammy. Yes, and, we're, we're powerless. Yes, and sort of watching the light die in her eyes as she realized I hadn't read both volumes of Remembrance of Things Past. <laughs> and, and might well not be quite as clever as I made out or my accent might have led her to believe. Um, yes. And maybe left school at 16 whereas she went to Yale you know, I mean, was, oh it, my goodness, the, the poor thing realized how out of my depth I was. 
But, you know, there was a really funny, and I remember thinking how ballsy it was, The Onion put out a 9-11 issue. I don't know oh, if you remember. I don't remember that. There was, it was actually, I thought it was really funny. The, I think the main headline was um, the name of the terrorists, Surprised to Find Selves in Hell, was the main headline. <laughs> um, the side story was Life Turned into a Fucking Jerry Bruckheimer Movie. I mean, how, how can you make jokes, right? We were all in shock. But one of them that I really stand by as, as funny because it's human was um, boy, a man uses attacks as excuse to call ex-girlfriend. Ah. And, I, and I was like, that's it, right? So what I'm trying to tie together here, and you, it's your choice. It's, I'm just so happy to be talking to you. Um, we have a death in the family. We have 9-11. And we know that when we're reminded of our mortality, and we have a reason to go to work, right? So they're all sort of tied together. We, we're going to die. You and I right now are, are, are floating on a rock in space, and it's insane. So when we remember that, did that inform you, your decision to like double down on acting, to maybe leave school? Why did you leave school? When did you become a busker? How did this performance thing... Well, well, that's really... Um... Yeah, that's really hard. I mean, time around that era is really um, uh, tricky for me. Um, uh, I my my brother died. I my my father had a nervous breakdown. He was teaching at a girls' what you would call private school, a boarding school, what we call public school, which is <laughs> there's an amazing reason for that. By the way, what what is it, please? Well, the amazing reason is they used to be public schools. And then, you know, hundreds of years ago, then people started bribing, you know, to get their kids in. Rich people started bribing together and they became paid schools. So that's why we still... <laughs> so let, let's, let's legitimize the bribes and turn it into a private school. Exactly. Wow. It, uh, and then... Um, and... and um, Did you know you wanted to be an actor at that time? You oh, 16? God, no. No, I wanted to be a guitar player. <laughs> I, I wanted to be uh, um, I wanted to be a rock star, but then, well, but then it turned out that I hated playing my own songs in front of other people, which is obviously a rather large stumbling block. Why? Um, Why do you think that is? Um, I think that I like a um, a buffer between me and. So you can go, oh, I bet Paul's really like that. The, the way he is in that film or whatever. I bet he's really like that. But you don't actually know. Whereas if you're John Lennon and you wrote, Mother, you had me, but I never had you. you yeah. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah. I admire the the honesty. And I, uh, I, I that, that, that song has kept me adhered to the planet at times. But my God... Even if I could have written something that brilliant, I would not want that out. You know that. You know that. I don't know. I completely understand. Even in comedy, you have maybe it's a joke. Like you can yes. you can hide a lot in comedy. Right. And and as a dramatic actor doing other people's writing, you Ooh, have sort of. Oh, oh, what? Who's, what's happening? Oh, wait a sec. <laughs> oh, I need to turn off. Oh shit! See, she has never updated her. How do you... <laughs> Jennifer. Jennifer. Oh. 
Okay, it's off. Okay, I'm so sorry about that. I oh. need to get back to that arranged marriage thing. Please, I love. I Wait, live no, I, for the for this. Why 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 aren't you there? Oh, you, there you are. Um, um, you want uh, controlled vulnerability, like doing other people's work. You get to be vulnerable, but you also get to be like like your character in A Beautiful Mind. You're in college. So there you go. Now you're now you're like an intelligent debonair. You got the long blue coat. Like you get to be that. Yeah, I, I can project intelligence. <laughs> well, as you said, the accent does so much of the heavy lifting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, you, you got that? I, mem- I remember my mate telling me uh, the brilliant director Alan Clark. He was playing a soldier, and um, Alan Clark made him run up the hill. He had to run up the hill with his gun and and he said Sean Sean what are you doing and he went I'm running up the hill I'm being a soldier I'm running a I'm right you know and he went go back and do it again and he runs up the hill and he goes what are you doing he went, I'm, I'm just running up the hill I just go, go again cut let's go again and this just kept going on he went Sean what are you doing and Sean out he just went I'm a, I'm being a soldier and I'm running up the hill and he went You've got camouflage gear on, camouflage makeup. I know you're a fucking soldier. Just run up the hill. Stop <laughs> acting soft soldier. So, um, so, yeah, just let the accent do the heavy lifting. Yeah. I love that. Well, I, I'd love to talk to you about acting. What I learned doing this show that I did for three seasons, it was always every season you can see I'm learning to do less. And when I watch you act... Even in Uncle Frank, which, as we've talked about, has these big close-up moments, what you can do in silence or a choice to not be like, you know what I mean? Like, I'd want to go big and blubbery is is so interesting. I I love the restraint that you seem to figure out. Well, I think as you, like you say, so you've been doing it for, if you're doing it for three seasons, you start to, you start to look back at stuff and go, oh, the story was already there and I told it twice. I told it twice. I was wearing soldier camo and I was yelling, I'm a soldier. A lot of the time, yeah. That's right. And and, and so if you, you can, if you kind of figure out, oh, the camera's doing this for me, Ah. you you don't need to do it again. Or the uh, doing this for me, or the fact that there's blood pouring out of my, you know, I don't need yes. to. Go, oh my god! Oh, oh, you know. <laughs> I do have a joke about that. Actually, I haven't gotten to perform it, but it's whenever people get shot or stabbed in movies, they go like, <gasps> <gasps> they, they play shocked, which is yep. good for a movie. But I'm like, nobody ever goes what I would do, which is like, oh. And start crying. Yes, that's right. Eddie Izzard used to have a bit about that about people that shake your hand too hard. That oh instead of just going, you, uh, yeah, I'm good. you should just go, ah, what are you doing? It hurts. That hurts. That's the heart of comedy. Is what we're all thinking. Can we just? <laughs> can we just fucking say it? Uh, so you want to be a rock star? You you don't like. The sort of voyeurism. It's weird to think of uh, John Lennon or Bob Dylan as a voyeur, but there has to be a certain, I want you to see this. Like, as cool as Bob Dylan was, he still was slogging his guitar to the West Village to, like, get there and perform. Like, that's not cool. That's vulnerable. Like, that's not cool. Yes. Um, and needy. Go. 
You know what I mean? And it's also needy, right? It's, it's, it's uh, very needy. I don't know where we get the idea that rock stars or, or Beatles are cool. There are a bunch of guys that were like, my dad doesn't listen to me. She loves me. Yeah, yeah. Like, please look at me. Please pick me up. Will someone tell me I'm okay? Like, that's not cool. <laughs> that's so right. That's true. Mick, Mick Jagger is not cool. He's needy and sensitive. Look how much he's dancing. It's obvious. <laughs> dances like that unless they have a huge hole inside them (laughs) I love that so you decided that you didn't want to play music which I completely understand I actually had the same feeling I would write songs and never wanted to perform them Uh, but I love doing comedy and I love doing plays and stuff like that so when did the the shift happen and we don't even have to tie it to something serious I'm curious uh, the shift happened. I was living with two people uh, in a in a in the in the filthiest um, um, apartment above a, um, above a Turkish restaurant. Where are we? I'm in North London, and um, at some point they did a midnight flit, and I was sick. It was I had some sort of flu, and they ran off without paying the rent, and the landlord took my guitar. And so I couldn't work, and I, I was, like, desperate. So I called my dad, and, and he came and saved me, got my guitar back. And then I came home and I, to, to, to the house, you know, having failed at leaving the nest. Hmm. And I thought, what am I, I going to do? What can, I, what can I do? So I, I and literally acting uh, came. To, oh, no, what happened was my dad... Um, who had been an actor, got a call from a guy who ran an amateur company and he said, I will give you a car if you and your family are in um, my show of Midsummer Night's Dream. And I said, okay, I'll do, I'll do that, Dad. And he gave my dad a car and I was like, well, that was quite fun. And I auditioned for drama schools. And before that, I worked in a... During that time, I was working in an old people's home, which was... Uh, crazy. Okay, I want to hear. You're very rich. I'm like, I'm feeling very pressed for time, even though we have plenty of time. But I'm like, we got to get to all this stuff. But what do you mean? Somebody offered you? You acted in Midsummer Night's Dream for a car? Yeah, for for my dad to get a car in a in an amateur production of Midsummer Night's Dream. I played Lysander, and I was like, well, that was all right. And then, but how did he know you could do it? The accent. He had the accent. He had the same accent. I don't don't really really know how it all... I don't really know how it all happened. But I remember going, well, that was quite fun. I quite enjoyed doing that. And then I um, decided, well, maybe that's what I need to do with my... So I started auditioning for, um, for drama schools. Oh, my God. You have to find the car. You should bronze the car. <laughs> like, ba- like baby shoes. <laughs> Before Fiesta. I can't <laughs> yeah. And here's your dad, uh, supportive dad. Like, this is not a traditional, you shouldn't be a musician, you shouldn't be an actor sort oh, of. Oh, God, no. I mean, no, totally. I mean, not necessarily. Not- Yes, I mean there wasn't any sort of opinions about what I should do. <laughs> there wasn't. You can't do this, son, and you're going. You know, but there was definitely. Um, 
there was definitely I could they could have really done anything I suppose I just want to relate oh sorry which is which is which is on one hand great and on the other hand you're like well what what do you think Paul you are speaking directly to my heart because I've had to weigh the pros and cons where I'm like People were like, oh, you wanted to be a comedian, and I received no resistance. I, I knew I wanted to do comedy basically my sophomore year of college, and um, or as you call it, public school. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And on one hand, my dad didn't go like, that's fucking ridiculous, you gotta get a job. And that's great. And on the other hand, I remember being like, shouldn't someone... <laughs> like, like, this is a ridiculous idea? <laughs> Dude, I got married when I... Can you repeat? (laughs) Please. There was like a pro and a con, a good feeling and a bad feeling to being like, I'm completely free. I got married when I was 22 and I also received no resistance there. And I was like, is anyone watching? Like they were, but they they weren't like... They weren't watching at all. Uh, But... (laughs) You come from quite a religious family too, right? Which is my my story as well. Yeah. Door. Okay. Um, Door. Your story as well. Um, yes. So I think they thought God was doing that. You know what I mean? So. Oh I, my God! Hilarious. I think that's really what that what happened, really, and um, and so there was. Yeah, I mean, God was taking care of being strict, and I was. T- terrified of God. I mean, I used to take, I would raise the, I used to take everything that was red in my bedroom and pile it in a pile outside my door so that Satan couldn't come in through the red in my, I've never told anybody that. But oh was, my God. Yes. I was convinced. I was convinced Satan was going to come into my room. So, um, I just want to relate. If you have, if you see people casting out demons on a chair before they sit on a chair, <laughs> what message does this send? Like, there is an abuse, and, and just so you know, I, I'm not uh, religious anymore, but like that sort of, when you convince a child that the already overly active and rich environment of their imagination is under constant surveillance, and that magic is real, and that the devil is real, yeah. you gathering your red Legos and putting them outside, I used to have full-on ceremonies that nobody told me to do. I have many jokes about worrying about the second coming of Christ while I was jerking off. Like, (laughs) it's it's a joke, but it's like, on one level, see, this is is controlled vulnerability. On one level, I'm confessing that even as a kid, when I'm doing a very natural and normal thing, I was worried about going to hell. Um, and, and, And please tell me what that makes you think of. Uh, I mean, it's exactly the same <laughs> stuff. I mean, I was convinced that, you know, that there was, that, you know, when God God knows all your thoughts. And I was like, right, but not all of them, right? I mean, I mean, I know, yeah, I know God knows all of our thoughts, but not, not uh, all of them. There's, yeah. still There's a private browser function, right? We can sort of <laughs> yeah, hidden, go over here. History, right? I mean, well, that's why you say amen at the end of a prayer, because I was like, okay, dear Jesus was start listening, and amen was like, could you give me a little space? <laughs> 
I just need five minutes. Yeah, I'm hanging up the phone. I'm hanging up the phone. You have big things to do. I don't want to bother. Bye bye. Yeah, gotta go. Gotta go. Gotta. Yeah. Uh, um, and then just vigorously masturbate. Yeah, absolutely. Till you were numb. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I. I. Um, and then. Then we became Mormons. You see, we we did. Uh, you we, did not. Certainly did, yeah. The dad. only, I mean, let's not let's not grade them. But if you want to find a, a group that's had some difficulty with homosexuality, yes. you'd, you'd be hard pressed to do better than Mormons. I yeah. knew Mormons that would tie their hands to bedposts to keep them from touching themselves in their sleep. Well, I do that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me everything. I couldn't be more interested. How did you become a Latter Day Saint? Okay, so. This is great. You're going to love this. <laughs> oh my god, you're going to love this. Okay, so my my dad, my dad, his journey through uh, different quasi-Christian uh, faiths. You know, we did Church of White Eagle Lodge, uh, which I am not quite sure what that was. But we we did at some point. He told us we were all Mormons, and we started going to this Mormon church. It is in Kensington. He just says, hey, guess what? You're a Mormon now? Because it really is just like, uh, you believe everything you believe, but now there's a new one. Jesus went to North America, but it's still Jesus. That's what I always found confusing about Mormonism was I had to deny Jesus. Like, I believed in Jesus, and they were like, well, we have more Jesus. And I was like, yeah, but I don't like that Jesus. And they're like, but it's the same Jesus. I got to tell you, initially it was great because there was – we were there – you were there like – five, six times a week, and they had candy, and they had, and there was a bunch of, I had an American accent for a bit because of it. Oh, my God. Which did not go down well at school. Um, <laughs> I had to kick out of me at school. But, uh, yeah, anyway, but... Um, because was, you, that's too, everything you say is too interesting. You so were so Mormon, you became a, a Yankee, yeah. and started talking like an American, and, and you even did it in school. Yes, and then... Why not just go back? would be beaten up for it. But anyway, but I'm getting to the good bit. The good bit is there was this really funny, at the time it was not funny. There was this kid. Okay, so it's the 70s. And you remember, how old are you? I'm, I was born in 79. Okay, so you might not remember this, but in the 70s, there were, well, you'll know what I'm talking about. You know those flared trousers that then they had big waistband with like six buttons on it? <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay, so there was this kid. And we were in Kensington, right? It's Museum Row is where the Latter-day Saints church is. I think it's the only one, right? So, um, and uh, we would go, we, we, we were at church at some point, and this kid, he, he couldn't get his buttons open to go to the bathroom. And his mum went, he's only got one kidney. And <laughs> just pee, just pee, Pete. I don't know why I called it Pete. And so his mum his made him wet his pants. And oh my god, okay. So, and this kid, my mum did the only Christian thing there is to do, which was tell me to take off my pants. She went, Take your pants off. I went, Well, she said trousers because we say trousers. I went, Excuse me, what? And she went, Take off your trousers and give them to Pete. And I went, But but why? And she went, Because he's wet his pants and he's ashamed. I went, I know he's he's wet his pants. I, I, I haven't. I haven't wet my <laughs> and, and she went, that's why it's the only Christian thing to do is to take off your trousers and give them to So I did. I took off my 
nice dry trousers and I gave them to Peter Pants and uh, and he put on my nice dry trousers and I had my wife fronts and I had to walk to the car down Museum Road, one of the busiest streets in London. <laughs> Fucking underpants to get to the car. <laughs> This, I think, was the beginning of my burgeoning atheism, really. <laughs> you, sh- you should have been... I seem to remember Jesus wearing a very concealing robe. I don't think this is very... <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure Jesus wanted me to give up my trousers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. That is an odd experience, but I can't help but be a little bit moved that seeing yourself in the other and giving him your pants is sort of undeniably beautiful on one level. I absolutely wouldn't have done it myself. My mother made... (laughs) I I kind of got a bit like, take off your trousers! (laughs) (laughs) Where's your wife? (laughs) I don't remember any of the apostles walking around in their tidy whities mom. The Christian thing to do is to shame your son? (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> and and then when, that's when you were Mormon. You yeah, were a Mormon. Mormon. And then I think we, I think we, you know, we had a little bit of Methodist, threw a little bit of Church of England in there, which is all very dull. And then uh, wait, you went. So you went. Uh, my friend Dave Odd had a joke about this. It's like uh, uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam is like Star Wars. It's the first three Star Wars. <laughs> and he's like, "This is Dave Odd, by the way. Look him up." He says, and then Mormons are like the people that canonize the goofy Ewok cartoons. <laughs> so you, and no no disrespect to the Latter-day Saints, but like you went to Ewok cartoons and then went back to Return of the Jedi. Yes. So now you're saying, I don't believe in Joseph Smith. Like I'm, I'm deleting that. Yes. This is a lot of gymnastics, not only pant removal, but this is a lot of spiritual yeah, gymnastics. I- Let's face it, my dad was having to tie himself in pretzels, you know, to make this whole, yes. <laughs> whole thing work uh, for himself. So, Was he looking for, uh, like, a healing from his sexuality, do you think? And I, I, I say healing, that's their word. Obviously, I don't think there was any healing uh, needed. Uh, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he felt great uh, shame um, uh, and carried shame around with him. And it was... And it was all because of, you know, some, some you know, ancient uh, d- dogma. <laughs> yeah. They got that into Uncle Frank, which I like. Somebody goes, like, it's an abomination or whatever. And somebody goes, it also says you can have slaves. Yeah, which yeah. I'm just like, nobody's talking about. In the same part, uh, I mean, like, the same page. I mean, the same chapter that says in the Old Testament that homosexuality is an abomination. It says don't eat shellfish. But how many homophobic conversations being held at Red Lobster, I can't tell you. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) Very good. (laughs) The picking and the choosing. Too much interesting stuff going on. Let's get back a little bit to this two-day courtship, arranged marriage, Mm. uh, because I'm fascinated. There's something... I always thought of this. I always remember it, rather. In India, they, they think it's funny that people get they, – they, they say – not everybody. I can't speak for India. But I heard this person speaking where they were like, in the West, you wait until the soup's really hot and then you put it on the table. That's getting married. And then you let it get cold. 
in arranged marriage, you take cold soup and you put it over the fire. And and part of the marriage is the sort of figuring it out, like getting right. to know each other. Is that at all similar? I knew you knew each other as friends. You liked each other as friends. 9-11 happens. You propose. Uh, she finds out you dropped out of school at 16 and, yeah. and you're learning. And you have a child now. Uh, you're a stepdad now. Tell me what it was like. Was there a moment of like, oh, my God, did I make a 9-11 choice? Like, did I make a mortality? <laughs> Is this a 9-11 engagement? No, I mean, it was really like, um, it was it was a lot because suddenly you were like insta-dad, you know? I mean, of course, I, 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 I wasn't his, um, my, my eldest son has a father who's very active in his life. I, and so immediately I wasn't a father figure, but you, you kind of are. And it felt like being an instant dad and having an instant family. And, you know, I'd just gone from being footloose and fancy free and single for, you know, years. And, 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 um, and it, I would be lying if I said it wasn't a shock to the system, you know, to suddenly yeah. be like, Oh, I, I guess I live in America now, and I've got a son. And were you planning on getting married, or was that a surprise to you? Oh God, I never. I, I had no interest in in, in, <laughs> in getting married. And then I, but I really, I I really had this sort of um, you know road to Damascus moment where I just was like, yeah, and um, and we um, and it was to Paul too. So I mean, we're, yes. we're, <laughs> we've even got a Paul connection. Yeah. Except well, it wasn't uh, Paul. Paul, why do you persecute me? It's Paul. Paul, we had such a great time at a beautiful mind. I really feel like we should get married. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, a little bit more mundane, a little less quo vadis, and uh, a little <laughs> more like, do you want to get hitched? Yeah. Uh, and but Jennifer was your your crush from Labyrinth, as she was for everybody roughly our age. Yes. Yes. Yes, I have to. Yes. I think it's really good to clarify that we're the same age. And I, I saw it at the time because otherwise it gets a bit pedo, if you like. Oh, it's, I, I, somebody who will remain nameless uh, was trying to do this bit with me on an interview. And he was like, and uh, I hate you because you're married to the hot girl in Labyrinth. And I went, dude, she was 10. Let's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we not do this bit? It's horrible. I um, am so with you. I'm actually, with you. But, uh, and, I w- I, and I was 12 when I saw it, right? right. I mean, like, like, so we were in love with an appropriate... <laughs> uh, so I'd like to clarify, yes, a little stalkery to have fallen in love, you know, to, but um, I'm maybe the longest stalker and most successful stalker in history. <laughs> I think that would be stalker number one that worked out. Yeah. That it, so I don't think you were stalking as much as I mean that movie, The Babysitter. She's obviously a, a beautiful person, and it was a special movie. It was like grown up Muppets. I think it it oh has to God. seep I, into us. That movie, I, I that movie's really that movie's still great. Yeah, is great. Uh, what music's great? I agree. And the hands. Have you ever taken psychedelics? Are you are you free enough as a person to be able to tell me? 
I mean, I mean, are you under some sort of MCU thing where you have to be Vision? Although whoever's writing these movies is definitely dabbling. Uh, I mean, you don't come up with these visuals. I, I think my, my I, 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 I think my history of uh, of uh, being inquisitive is very is very clear. So yes, it yes. was churlish of me to. Um, uh, to lie to you at this point, yeah. I, I I feel embarrassed that I even implied that as if you would take a role that was contingent on you being owned by. It's just so interesting when you talk to a like somebody in a franchise. Like when I interview, um, like Conan O'Brien or or Kimmel or, or or like like these guys that are responsible for so many employees. You don't want to. You don't want to get them. You don't want to ruin right. a whole beautiful thing. So there's no spirit there. I just was like. The the imagination there and the hands when she falls in the pit of hands, oh, just fantastic and 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 uh, I, I, just the whole thing is so beautifully made. I think it's it's so it's so imaginative and and, uh, and it's just great. That movie. Does did you have good experiences with psychedelics? Were you young? Is it something that's still? Uh, I yeah, I, I I loved them. I you know I find I find it a little. I am, you know, the father of three children at this point. I think I'll get back to it when I'm, uh, when I'm, uh, I don't have to be responsible and wake up and remember where the car is and things yeah. like that. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah, I parked it on the top of a Dairy Queen because uh, <laughs> I thought it was a spaceship. I, I've had the same thing, Paul. I wrote a book and I talk a lot about um, psychedelics in the book and my experiences. And, and they actually, again, I, I'm not religious but it opened me up to mystery i was like that that feeling of like and and any i i know you're an atheist uh or at least that's what you said a, a couple minutes ago but any atheist any scientist and any mystic we all completely agree when we're like oh my god no one has any idea what's going on here oh no and no, with- I, I, I just um, no, God, and maybe agnostic is a, is a is a is a is a closer. I had Pendulette explain this to me. You can still say atheist because an agnostic believes it's not possible to know, right? A agnostic, right? And you're just saying, I don't believe in a God. I don't believe there is a God. And that's fair. But he would say, and he's one of the few atheists I've talked to that would say, could there be a God? Yes, I believe in infinite possibilities, but I don't believe in a God. My my issue is answering a question with a bigger question, you know, which just seems like, you know, what is there? What was there before the Big Bang? And answering answering with God is you know because you go oh well you know I, I've heard people talk about this and and much smarter people than me saying well actually at that point you need to talk to a theologian because we don't know what was before the Big Bang right and, and then they say well that was God and you go well why answer that question with a bigger question because then where, where did God come from I just it right. just feels like. Um, I feel just less caught up with that and more interested in being as kind and gentle and getting through this shit in as happy a way as I can. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm wondering though, it did when were you, how old were you when you first tried a psychedelic and did it have any like world shifting like oh my god, like 
did it enhance your wonder or was it just a good time at a party? Yes, I think <clears throat> I think mine was, um, I'm, I'm ashamed to say, much more about laughing my ass off on mushrooms <laughs> than, it, than it was about opening a, a, a door, uh, you know, my inner... My inner eye. I, I, I do. I think we say infinity stone now, but yes, you're. I think you say. Yeah, you're Bin D, but you're. Uh, yeah. Well, um, yes, uh, uh, and and, but but boy, did I love it, and boy, did I have uh, fun, and uh, but that is to say also that, um, you know, that journey wasn't only smooth. There were. <laughs> Also became rocky at some point, and I really had to take a had to take myself in hand, um, which you can get punished for by the Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you mean you you don't mean you had to literally <laughs> crank it to bring yourself into your body? I, I really I no, but I had to. Um, I, I I don't think it's the I don't think it's the. I don't think it's the... God, how can I put this? Uh, without sounding... Um, uh, I think as a parent, this is... A, uh, being a parent is a different stage of life. You know what I mean? And yeah. Well, that's what I started to say. I was like, I have this book and I talk on the podcast and I'm like, what am I going to say? My daughter's name is Lila. And I was like, wait until your brain is fully formed, which the science says is around 22. It's it's not even... We used to say 18. You and um, I the same books, yeah. That's true. <laughs> so at least wait for that. But I, I, I completely hear you, um, and and we'll get we'll get to the the spiritual stuff anyway. So I asked if it felt like a nine a nine eleven choice. That's what we were talking about. The engagement. No, no, it didn't. It felt it felt um, it, it felt exactly as you can imagine. Like we were getting to really know each other. You you we we haven't lived together. You know, it's like. Uh, <laughs> You know the, the the it was it was it was and it was intense, you know, and then we had a baby really quickly, and then uh, and that was intense, and it has only become more extraordinary, actually, and I kind of I think. It's it's interesting because I it's the only unknown, right? I, I think that's how I think about it. It's like, what is it going to be like? What are Jennifer and I going to be like at twenty five years of hmm. marriage? It's because I know what's going to happen if if we broke up, and I know what the first four years of any relationship's like. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. only the final frontier, really. The interesting thing is 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 getting to know that person at an even deeper. Uh, a level of, and, and, and with even more uh, connectedness. Um, I think that's brilliant. You're right. If you did start over, uh, God forbid, or papa, or whatever we want to say, because I, I, I'm rooting for that. Um, whatever that, <laughs> Paul, whatever it's worth, I'm rooting for your relationship. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's a public relationship, and I've, I've thought it was beautiful from a distance. The starting over, you do know what it's like. Like that, that you start dating someone new, and the first time they say something that you're like, oh. 
but you don't know what it's like to stay with somebody for 25 years. Yeah, get through the bit where the get through the bits where it's hard, you know. To have I mean, the courage to really do something new instead of doing something you've already done just with a new person, but just because it's a new person doesn't mean okay, it's new. What it would be like. It's like when I go to a new set, right? I, uh, and you can live there's a danger of being an actor is you can live your life incrementally in sort of 5 months you get a whole bunch of new friends that kind of yes. have your friends and they have to listen to you because you're like what <laughs> this is why like david hasselhoff i'm picking him randomly thinks he has 15 incredible stories it's because you're number one on the call sheet that's right and yeah. and, and and your jokes are funny again every five months right and that's right that's right yeah. and whereas you know being being married for 18 years is having somebody go yes gotta stop telling that fucking story you know what i, mean? I love that i have that with val i'm always telling a story about our doctor doing the ultrasound on our baby and him making some joke about being able to see her vagina and me feeling so close to the baby that it was like he was looking at my vagina that I, and she was like you need to stop telling that story please could you stop telling that story yeah and jennifer also says things like that's that's not even a real story. And I that's go, also true. Just not how it happened. And have you gotten to the point where you don't even have to finish points? Like Val and I will just say, that's like a canna, you know, and then she knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, she knows. Course. Yes, but I'm like when I'm when I'm embarrassing myself at a dinner party and telling, you know, this story for the umpteenth time and she's like, Paul, that isn't even how the story. Not only have you... Are you relentlessly telling that story for the last 18 years? It's not even the story. <laughs> <laughs> so 5% of it. It's become so embellished that 75% of this story is not true. <laughs> it's a myth at this point. You're like, but it's true thematically. <laughs> I wonder, is there a stigma with comedians? There, There's like a question is, do you date? Do you marry another comedian? Do actors have that as well? Because I, I and I'm not putting this just on you and, and Jennifer, but it's like there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of I'm going to speak for myself. There's neediness. There's moments of vulnerability. There's vulnerability hangovers. You finish f filming Uncle Frank and for a while you might just feel weird because you put yourself out there. Is that a, a pro or, a, or is it good? Is it bad? What's good about it? <clears throat> I, I think it's really individual, you know. I, I, I uh, yeah. I mean, I can see why it would be bad, but uh, you know, it's also um, wow. I don't know how to. Uh, I mean, most of the time we're not even talking about it. You know what I mean? It's like most of the time we're not talking about work. We're talking about who's going to take the kids to school and who's going to, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't know. It's, um, but fuck me, it comes in useful. If you are, you come up against a, a problem that feels insoluble at work and you have a, a brilliant Oscar winning actress at home to call up and say, how do I do this? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Does she ever put her Oscar on the table during arguments? <laughs> Oh my god! All the time, it's disgusting. Really, <laughs> you know. You know the worst thing about the Oscar is that it's just this constant reminder of how much cooler my wife is than me. Not because she has an Oscar, but because she never got her name put on the Oscar. 
Oh my in god! The old days. Now, now they they do it there when the name is read out and you go backstage and they do it there apparently. But in the old days, you had to send it back in to get the nameplate put, and then she just couldn't be bothered. So we have the Oscar, and it doesn't have anybody's name in, and that means presumably I could scratch my name in it <laughs> with a key. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Paul Bethany for Jarvis in Iron Man. It's like when I found out that you have to pay something like $25,000 or something to get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Shut the front fucking door. What? Yeah. It's like a thing you pay for. You're you're given the opportunity. I believe it's true. That's amazing to me. And it's a big. The reason you do it is it's a big uh, press stunt, I guess, and I guess for the honor. But that's a lot of fucking wonga to pay out for a shitty star that people are going to vomit on. Yes, of course, vomit every day. I let me let me take you to a moment that I heard you talking about, and then we'll do a speed round, and then we'll talk about the meaning of life, and, and I'll get you out of here because I, I sympathize right. that you're in in the middle of all this press. Um, you. The moment when you went from, and I'm let me let me just go into my uh, regular Joe suit and be like, "There's Paul Bettany, beautiful mind, master and command, master and commander," and maybe it is the accent, but we're like, "There's serious actor Paul Bettany," and then you did make the jump uh, into a franchise, and you're talking to a serious fan. I own all of the movies, and I got them on Disney Plus, so now I'm backed up and backed up. I've watched them all. I love them. So there's no judgment there. I'm wondering, was that a consideration or is that just something we're projecting onto you? Did Paul Bettany go, well, I have this cachet as like this elegant debonair actor. Do I want to be in a, in a pop, like a popcorn movie? And I say oh, that. Oh, God, no. It, it, it happened in an entirely different way. Um, it happened in an entirely different way. Um, I, I, I and and um, it's worth pointing out. I think it's really easy for people to think that you're sort of somehow curating a career. And you know, I often get asked by um, journalists like, "It's really interesting choices that you've been making lately." And you're like, <laughs> "Choices? What are you?" I, I know about. I've met about five actors in my entire career that get to make choices. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're basically doing what's in front of you because, A, you need to pay the mortgage or you've got to stop the pixies talking in your head. But, (laughs) you know, you're not in whatever stupid film you were in because and you turned down Paul Thomas Anderson. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like Paul Thomas Anderson was calling and you were like, I'm so sorry, I've got to go and do this, you know, know, this other stupid thing. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson wasn't calling, so you're 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 a working actor with things to with responsibilities. And for me, what happened was 2008. You know, the bottom drops out of the economy, and then I made some moves I probably shouldn't have made to sort of just. I was like, "Oh my God, hammer large pieces of wood against the windows." <laughs> you know, we're, <laughs> we're in trouble. And so I made some moves I shouldn't have made, and. I could I couldn't get arrested for two and a half years, and then um, uh, this was the part of the I heard this part of the story, and I really was like, sort of in disbelief. 
Are we getting to the unnamed agent that said you're you're done? Uh, uh, producer, yes. And, and it's I just a, can't believe it. You had done so many things, like, and and there's not a lot of Paul Bettany types. Like, like when you go to an audition, who else is there? <laughs> well, that's. I mean, this was. I. I, I mean, I, I. I. You know, I had a really. I, I changed agents. I got a, this great agent who I am with now called Jeremy Barber. And he, I said, look, I, I'm, I've kind of lost faith in, in agenting. So, I, 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 you know, I don't know. The only reason I'm going to come with you is if you promise to just lift the veil off this business. I don't want to be treated like a kid anymore. I, I just... I need to know how this works. And I just want you to be honest with me. I'm a, you know, you're a businessman. I'm a businessman. Just tell me the truth. Sorry, Paul, you said that. I said that to him. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, great. I said, so how are we going to work? And he went, you're not going to work. And I went, what? And he went, you, you, you smell a shit. And we've got to wait for the smell of shit to leave you. And people to remember the, the good roles. And I went, uh, okay, that was quite honest. He went, you wanted me to be honest. And then the next phone call we had, he said, I really wanted this job. And the writer and the director really wanted to give me this job. And he sent me to see that. I said, you got to get me in with this producer. And he went, you turned down that producer. I actually did turn down this producer after I just had a, my, my wife had just had a baby. And I wanted to stay at home and be with my baby rather than go and spend five months in, you know, Egypt or wherever the film was and it clearly stuck in his craw and he said um, my, but my agent said um, uh, okay so I got you the meeting he's never going to give you the job he hates you but you've got the meeting bye like that and I was like whoa and it was like a it was like a gravel shower in that it really hurts but by god you feel clean and clear afterwards I was yeah like, gravel will do that and I just, you're able to at least go in, I was able to at least go in to this meeting, not not blindsided by this um, by this producer. And, and um, what the hell is the point of this story? Oh, the story is, um, you know, I, I realized that he, he, this agent that I'm with was just really sort of frank and honest and, and, uh, and, uh, and sort of brutal with me, and it was fantastic. And now we're really, we're actually really dear friends. Um, and the producer, I, I, I remember where we're going. You're about to get a call from Josh. Josh, we. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell the story. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I can tell the story. Um, I, 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 I suddenly got uh, insecure that you didn't want to hear it. Uh, but um, <laughs> I, so I go to the meeting, and he keeps me waiting for like half an hour, of course. And this big barrel-chested old-style producer came in and. I said, look, I really want this job. And he said, I'm not going to give you this job. You're done in the business. And I went, excuse me, what? And he went, you are done in this business. And I, I, I said to him, you know what? This is a, because I was prepared because my agent had told me that he hated me and wasn't going to give me the job. And I went, look, this town has a lot of second and third acts and you should mind your fucking manners. Whoa. And, I, and I walked out all tough like, and then I get to the street and my legs went and I just sat on, on sunset on the, on the, on the sidewalk on the pavement. And I just looked up and I just thought, you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe, 
maybe my career's over. And then my phone rang, and I took out my phone, and it was, I didn't recognize the number. I answered it. It said, hi, it's Joss Whedon, and I'm wondering whether you want to be the vision in the Avengers. And I took me about 0.2 seconds to say, yes, yes, God, my God, yes. I do want that. And I, and I turned around and flipped off the building of the, per- and I just thought, you know what? This proves life is just curly. You just, you life. never know what's coming around the, you just never know what's coming around the bit. Well, Paul, life is curly and mind your fucking manners. There's two morals to that story. Mind your fucking manners. I, I don't want to belabor the idea that you were done, but like you had already been an Iron Man. And I'm saying this as somebody that knew it was you. People people weren't like, and there's a British guy. That's his, that's his AI. We knew it was Paul Bettany. We liked Paul Bettany. I'm trying to figure out how could I, as a consumer at that point, I'm still a consumer, not see potential. Maybe, maybe, maybe you couldn't, but what, what, you know what it's like. Imagine not having a gig in two and a half years. I mean, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't get... What year was Iron Man? Uh, 2008. 2008. No, yeah. you said 2008. I said 2008. I wonder what year Iron Man was, but it was, you know, I mean... Apart from going into a sound booth and and being Jarvis, I didn't I didn't have a job. Yeah, that is an incredible story. So that even it was two thousand eight. I just got heard from Katie. Thank you, Katie. So that answers the question that I wasn't going to ask you. How do you feel about the makeup? You're like slather it on me, baby. I'm happy to be. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I hear anybody complaining, I'm like. Dude, paint me purple and put me up on those wires and hang me from my genitals. I'll fly around for you. Absolutely. Whatever I you love that. Need. Whatever you need. I did like seeing you in non-makeup in, I believe it's Endgame or the one before it. In WandaVision, are you in makeup most of the time or is it a mix? No, there's a big mix because they're living uh, incognito in the suburbs. Oh, perfect. So, they're, they're, in fact, we start in... Um, the Dick Van Dyke show, and then we move to um, the. Why is the phone ring? <laughs> it's Josh Whedon. It's Josh Whedon. He's got another <laughs> I can't wait to hear. I actually don't know where the phone is. I love this. Oh. Katie, dude, you got it. This is good. I like this. Um, <laughs> uh, I just hung up on him. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I'm vision now, bitch. I'm, I'm busy. Um, I'm talking to Petey Pants. There you go. Leave me alone, Joss. Honestly. Oh. Well, um, go ahead. It really, t- it did teach me, uh, uh, it, t- it taught me a great lesson was just not to, um, well, it taught me a couple of le- lessons is try not to panic too much because life is curly and also, to not just assume all of this, just assume that it's all yours all of the time. At some point, the big, you know, film god in the sky just turns off the fucking tap, and you go, what? what? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, um, and you should be really grateful. And I, and I, and I, I mean, I don't think I was some sort of, you know, I don't think I was taking it all for granted. I'm not saying that. 
before, but I do think that it has given me the perspective to be incredibly appreciative of how lucky I am. Yeah. I have that too. I, I, there's so many ways to die or to be over and to be in. There, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. When I'm in my right mind, I'm like, I have nothing to complain about. I have only gratitude. It's such a, an amazing, amazing thing. Yeah. Were you ever... It's cons- when you're in your right mind, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not as much as I'd like. Hard to rely on being in the, on your right mind the whole time. <laughs> That's completely true. Were you ever, this is just a personal PD pants question. Were you ever considered for the for the Joker? I remember seeing buzz about that and talking to you now I'm like Paul Bettany would have been a great great Joker. I know you've gone Marvel so it's over but <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean I, I yes, I had a conversation about it. And it, but it's sort of hard to talk about now because my mate Heath sort of it became his um you know, epitaph so- somehow, and um, yeah, it's a legacy. I mean, I can't imagine anybody in the Dark Knight not not being the Joker. It's unbelievable. I would not want to be going anywhere near that. I mean, I yeah. it was. I, I heard something you said about him that was beautiful. All the rumors about like darkness and that he was plunging into despair, and you're like, would you speak to that? Yeah, I don't. I I, I, I don't buy it. Um, my feeling about him was that he was just joyful and uh, he was a lover, you know? I mean, like a real lover. He just loved life. And <laughs> and, and he was... Um, it was like a, there was like a light around him. Mm. I mean, I remember he went off and got a tattoo. And in this tattoo, it had three circles. It was a sort of era when it was when we did um, a night's tale, and it was a sort of era where you did that sort of thing. But in his circle, it, there was so there was a circle. And he, I said, "What's that?" He went, "That's the universe." And and I said, and then there's another circle inside. And I said, "What's that?" And he said, "It's the solar system." And I said, "What's what's that?" And he went, "That's me." And I went, "Wow!" So you've put yourself right at the center of the universe. I see. I've never been that confident. And he, he literally, but he was, and it was beautiful. I don't mean that. And I, he was just one he of was those plugged in that filled his space and put himself in the center of his world and was just, and I, um, it's still to this day. He was so, so alive. Mm. It's fucking impossible for me to, he only lived down the road. I mean, it's impossible for me to think about him dead. It's so weird. I, I mm. he was just so. I've never met anybody more alive than he. He was, and I think that he was. He just got lost in in uh, in um, in this uh, you know in this addiction. But I don't think that. I don't. I don't think that this sort of him struggling with some darkness of you know, I, right? Just don't. I just it doesn't chime with the person that I I knew. And maybe I'm wrong. And maybe I'm a fool. But it's not what I saw. Mm. I, I've heard you say something similar. Forgive me for leading you there, but I just thought it was so beautiful, and I'm such a fan of his as well. 
And I was like, if there's any opportunity I have to just get that out there and talk about what a light-filled person he was, I, I just thought I couldn't help myself. Too beautiful. Let's do the speed round and, and get you out of here. This is just the greatest lesson you've learned, and I'll give you a topic. But it doesn't have to be long. Okay. Uh, it also doesn't have to be short. I'm, I'm curious, talking about the business and stuff, what is a great lesson you've learned about navigating show business, how, how you keep your head? Oh, well, it's sort of to do with um, what we were kind of just talking about, which is that I have noticed um, that my jokes become funnier on set the more successful I am at a point in my career. (laughs) (laughs) And you can talk a little quieter and people lean in and listen. And, um, and then I absolutely noticed when they became less funny, uh, and people weren't laughing as much. And so I, I think it's really good to go through ups and downs in, 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 um, in whatever your career is, because, you know, otherwise you're being convinced that your jokes are funny when they're not that funny. It doesn't, it doesn't end well. When you see the out of touch people that have only ever heard yes in their lives, these are not interesting people. And you can sort of start feeling the gravity of their orbit. And you're like, I think the only way to relate to this person is to start mirroring them. Like, I think that's all I can do. (laughs) And I think that would be detrimental to you as a person, but also as an actor. Speaking of WandaVision and all the reviews I've seen talk about how funny you are, what's a great lesson you've learned about comedy? And I'm not one of those comedians that thinks it's so precious and so different from dramatic, but like, was there something you learned about how to deliver a joke, how to land? Oh God. I I mean, no, no, I, I mean, I really and truly, I sort of just did my best to rip off Dick Van Dyke, Hugh Laurie, Brian Cranston. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> honest, honestly, and honestly and truly, I just think, however preposterous it is, um, especially in the sort of humour that we are doing, it. it, it, it it just it really needs to have a a kernel of truth and that's um and then and then it's funny and also your what's lovely about those sort of sitcoms is your that we are there is no satire in the show the show is not satirizing those 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 sitcoms it it, it is a homage and a, and a we love those sitcoms um there is a seemingly insoluble problem that when the couple unites, they can solve together, and uh, and and you know all of the misunderstandings and it, it's 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 oh, and I suppose it's the same as what I was saying about acting. I guess is that don't don't act it twice. You know, if it's being done, if the joke's being done for you, you don't need to ham it up. Drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I now when we talk about acting because I definitely wanted to see what your greatest lesson on acting was. I'll, I'll focus it because we've talked a lot about it. Can you think of a piece of advice that rings in your head? Not just let the scene do it, uh, let the camera do it, but something that when you were starting out that just stuck with you. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's trite, if it's acting is listening or reacting or whatever. I'd just love to hear your feelings about that trite wisdom. 
Yes, there are. There are. Um, I'm going to tell you three things. One is um, Lars von Trier had a sign up on set that said, "Please make mistakes." Hmm. Now, I didn't like Lars von Trier. He didn't like me. Uh, I think he has made brilliant films. That doesn't change the experience, but that is a brilliant thing to say because it's it, it, it directly feeds into what I'm going to say next, which is Stellan Skarsgård told me this amazing thing, gave me great advice, which is the difference between acting on camera and acting on stage is on stage you're working towards a performance where on film it is always a rehearsal um, and mm. you can you can always be experimenting because somebody cleverer than you is going to edit the whole thing together. And if you think you're giving some sort of performance, you're honestly not because the editor and director are going to manipulate everything that you did anyway afterwards. So, so there is that. And also just being really honest about how things happen. Stellan Skarsgård and I were working together once and I saw him as a young man. I watched a movie of him as a young actor in, a, in the movie is, is called The Simple-Minded Murderer. Yes, that's right. And in this movie, he has a sister, and, the, and, and he, he lives in the barn of this, with the animals of this huge estate with this very cruel owner. And the sister, as a young girl, runs off, and she, she runs away, and when she comes back, she's a famous actress. And she comes in on the arm of this cruel estate owner and he sees her and he looks at at her and he tries to sort of communicate and he's about to say something and she just shakes her head surreptitiously and he looks away from the camera like this and it it breaks your heart. Mm. It just breaks your heart that he didn't... He didn't chew up the scenery. He just looked away from the camera. So I went the next day and we were working together. I went, oh, my God, Stellan, what you did in that moment. And he went, what moment are you talking about? And I said, it's the moment when your sister comes in and then she sees you and you would want to say something. She shakes her head and she just, she, 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 she sort of betrays you like Peter. She doesn't know you and you, you look away. And he went, I looked away because I didn't know how to act this moment. Wow. And I went, what? And he went, I looked away because I didn't know what to do as an actor and I didn't want the camera to see that I didn't know what to do. <laughs> oh, my God. Every part of the buffalo. And then I was there going, oh. And, I, oh, and I'll tell you another thing that is just fantastic, which I hope is true, is that Stanislavski, um, we all talk about beats in acting, right? I don't know if you've heard that. In oh, this sure, movie. yeah. Yeah, okay. So, um, Stanislavski, apparently, when he was in New York, uh, you know, he was actually saying um, bits in this bit, but he has a heavy Russian accent uh, in this beat. So, of course, <laughs> actors being actors have to complicate every fucking thing that gets in front of them. And so now we all use... I'm, I'm hoping this story is, is true. Is I love this. actually just saying, in this bit... Um, but we have turned it into beats. So try not to overcomplicate things. <laughs> it's like the twist of Chinatown. It was an accent. I love that so much. That is fantastic. Um, well, I, I, I love that. 
uh, acting answer so much. Let's just jump to the end. We've sort of already covered it, so we can we can wrap early here. I'm just curious how you frame the universe. Um, you and I both were raised Christian. Yeah. Uh, you and I both sort of uh, broke away from that. I've leaned into mysticism, uh, mythology. I, I look at things as being not literally true, but metaphorically true. Yeah. And so I can still redeem the stories of uh, Jesus, not knowing whether they actually happened and it not being that important. Is there any framework for your worldview that you still have now? Are you just leaning into the brilliant, I don't know, um, a- anything is, is wonderful. Uh, I, I, uh, I kind of have this, I mean, I guess I feel very much like, um, my children on my, uh, you know, life after death and, and I want to fill them with as much joy and happiness as I can. And I also have this thing that I like the idea of being kind because why not rather than being kind because I might get in past the pearly gates. You know what I mean? I like the because why not be kind? So I just, honestly and truly, it's sort of, it's sort of really, um, it's sort of embarrassingly simplistic. I just want to have as happy a time as I can and give my children and the people around me and the people that I love as happy a time and be as useful as I, as, as, as I can to them. I mean, that might sound ludicrously naive, but it is. It sounds dropped into me seeing, we'll call it the divine in our children, seeing the yearning and the zeal of life to be in children is maybe the most simple, sure, but honest and and uh, accessible. I, I I also have this thing that I just think that I have this. I just think that um, uh, letting go and yielding is I I love that about mm. yoga. Right, I love that. I just don't like yoga very much, and everybody <laughs> that I've met who really does yoga, except for one person, is like this total nightmare A type personality. Is really uptight and, and, <laughs> and keeps prophetizing about the journey that they're on to 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 and, and don't and, and doesn't seem particularly very good at letting go. And I um. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, but, but I love that bit of that philosophy. Just yield and let go of of, of attachment to things. I think is um, is great. I just don't want to, and I don't want to. I don't want to. And but when I have gone to do yoga, I don't want to be. I'm sweaty. I hurt. I'm on. I'm on a mat. I'm in child's pose, and then I've got some twenty eight year old telling me how to live my life. <laughs> just, ah! <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. I I just like to, whenever my guests give their answers, I like to ref, cross-reference and just to tell them what good company they're in. And I can't tell you how many mystics and sages, great thinkers, great spiritual beings or whatever, have summarized it 
when put to the task to non-resistance to, uh, to, to yielding to what is that includes your feelings that includes what's happening that like your your idea that what should be happening is this but this is what's happening is the cause of suffering and, and that desire I think that's right and I, I do you know what i was working out on this gym once uh, on the west side over there i'm looking at it and i um, <laughs> and i uh it's just me in the gym it's a tiny little gym um uh, right on the West Side Highway, and this guy, this old man came in, and he must have been a day older than dirt. And he kind of hobbled in, and he looked around, and he looked at the guy at the desk, and he looked at me, and then he said, do you know what? 95% of the things that I worried about in my life never happened. Mm. And then he turned around and walked out again. And that was... That, that was ah. And I was like... Yes, that's right. And if if you worry about ninety five percent of them, you're just exhausted when the five percent of real things come up. And yeah, it's paying interest on a debt that was never yours, as I, I heard somebody say that. That's great, isn't that good? I wonder. This is my last God question. As an actor, one of the profound things I actually think makes storytelling and acting and and, all, and writing important is that you see when you take on another person's life and pretend to be that life, not yours, but someone else's that you see. And this is a leading question, but I love leading questions to see if you like where it leads. You see that what you are, what Paul is, isn't the collection of your experience because here, here's another pretend collection of experiences that you can put on. You can put it on like a suit and then that's why we love it. I know you're Paul Bettany, but here you are being Uncle Frank, and that's here you are. Thought. I, I, I do. I think that it's it's a strange thing, isn't it? Because you're using pieces of yourself, pieces. I was, for instance, this. Um, let's let's pick Uncle Frank. There are pieces of me in it, and there are lots of pieces of my father. And actually, the one edifying thing that can really come from this job is imaginatively putting yourself in somebody else's position uh, and it's not perfect of course it it, it, it it never can be but it is edifying to and it really was for me to imagine my father's mm. situation because um uh, you know the consequence of not ever really ever having had an authentic and honest relationship with my father or he with me is is you know, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of loss from the get go, and I and and mm, it was some resentment at not having had him, and I found it very helpful in yielding and letting go, mm. uh, having imaginatively placed myself in somebody uh, so many similar um, circumstances. Right. And look, that could have been you if when you were born, you were handed different sides. A hundred percent. And, and um, you know, the moment I'm not allowed to do that anymore, play people who are unlike me, it will definitely be time to hang up my acting tights because the rest of it is all self-aggrandizement. and. Mm. It's beautiful. I love that. Well, Paul, we had two hours. I, I'm 
as I've done the press, I'm like, let's cut, let's cut now. You've given me way more than I could have ever hoped for. I love this chat. I hope you enjoyed it. We end. I'm glad. Thank you. We, we, we end with the guest. I promise it's not a joke on you or anything. The guest says the catchphrase. It's the sign off for the show. Um, I'm thrilled to sort of have the Jarvis voice saying it (laughs) as a fan. We just have the guest say, keep it crispy. Um, and it sort of means what you what you said to, to live with as much happiness and joy for those around you. That's that's sort of what it means. So would you would you bless us with a keep it crispy and then I'll leave you to your day. I certainly will. Everybody out there listening, if there is an everybody or if there's just one person, just keep it crispy. <laughs> that really did it for me. I love that. Well, what a pleasure. I hope we get to meet in real life one day. Where are you in the world right now? I'm in L.A. I was in your neck of the woods for a while. I was in uh, Brooklyn for a while, and I I secretly the whole time hoped that we would meet. Um, It didn't happen because I was shooting 14-hour days. But now... When things get a little bit more normal, uh, we have each other's contact. I'd love to. I'd love to hang, have a call, whatever it is. I'd love that. All right, pal. Good luck with the rest of your press and hey, everybody edit, watch. Who's editing this? Edit it so I don't sound like too much of a dick. Thank you. <laughs> the only way we would edit it is to have you say everything you said twice because it was brilliant. Oh, oh you're too kind. All right. Thank awesome. you, sir. Be Thank well. You. Thank you. I'm so crispy. My ice cream make you want to get me. so crispy.